Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hey, everyone, and welcome to The Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers. And I'm Megan Francis, and we're excited to bring you a bonus conversation today. It's part of a special series we're doing this month. Yeah, so earlier this week on Tuesday, we republished a classic episode from way back in our early archives. And today we're featuring two moms from our contributor team adding their fresh take on the same topic. Right, so you might want to listen to Tuesday's episode before you dive into this one. All right, Sarah, this is the part where you and I get out of the way and let the team do their thing, right? That's right. Off we go. Enjoy, everyone. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Everyone and welcome to the Mom Hour. This is Jamie Sherrod, and I am here with Jennifer Carroll. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Jamie. How's it going? It's great. We are heading into summer as we record yeah. this, so lots of big changes around here. No doubt, no doubt. So we are very excited today to bring you all a bonus conversation with our thoughts on an episode that actually aired earlier this week, and it was called Stuff junk and things. Um, If you haven't listened to that episode, I definitely recommend going back and listening before you listen to mine and Jennifer's conversation, because we'll be referencing back to it and adding some some of our own ideas to it. Um, But before we dive into that episode and get started, um, would you just remind everyone of who you are and the ages of your kids so that way we can set the stage here? Sure. So I'm Jennifer. My husband and I have boy girl twins who will turn six this week. We live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I'm a part-time freelance writer. Um, I do advertising, copywriting type stuff. How about you, Jamie? Amazing. So I live just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, we have two kids ages five and three. And I am a full-time stay-at-home mom. So we are actually going to dive into some of that a little bit later about our roles at home and how that kind of influences some of this. Um, 
But it was so fun to listen to that episode back from 2016 mm-hmm. about stuff, junk, and things. Um, and it actually was funny because it kind of got me organizing my house a little bit more this week. And it made me think I could easily go back and do a whole mom hour archive re-listen because when you listen to things at one point in time, you know, when you re-listen to them again, you're in a different phase of motherhood and it hits you differently. Um, So I just thought it was so fun. But was there anything in the episode that was like, just, did you have any overall impressions of the episode? So one thing that definitely hit me, um, my twins are turning six this week. And so like you're saying, it is interesting just like how much shifts as your kids are aging. And so, you know, just with their birthdays and all that kind of things, it's a little bit of time of reflection and remembering what they were like when they were younger. And so, you know, those early days, you had the breast pump, the car seats, the boppies, all the stuff. And then, you know, the couple years later, it felt like our garage was just filled to the brim with the double stroller, the biking (laughs) trailers and all of that sort of thing, the little tykes car. And then now we're in a whole new phase. The Heath and Harper started school this year. And so now it's the lunch boxes, the art projects coming home, the backpacks, um, the sports gear. And so it's just, it was so refreshing to hear, you know, that like, okay, it really doesn't go away in a lot of ways, but um, just that stay flexible, make your system, whatever your stuff management system looks like, um, figure out how to make that work for you and your stage of life. Yeah, I feel like you have summarized that perfectly because it's almost, I feel like I'm in the second phase and you're like in the third phase. So like there's the baby phase, then there's like toddler preschool, and then you hit like early elementary. And those are like three very different phases of the things that are in your house. And it's just kind of wild to see that evolution. Um, I know for me, when I was listening, I truly could not get over the timelessness and like the evergreen nature of the episode. I mean, when you think about how much has evolved in the last like seven or eight years with the pandemic and technology and everything like that, but it is equally as true. And it felt like every single tip that Sarah and Megan gave holds true today in 2023 and probably will continue to for at least the next decade, if not more, because these kids just constantly need things. I mean, they need things and they will continue to inundate our houses. Was there anything that they talked about that really stood out to you as something that like you've done or you want to do or anything like that? Yeah, I loved the tip about letting each kid have their kind of, whether it's a drawer or a box of like all of their treasures, all of their trinkets, all of those kind of things, maybe have it somewhere where it's out of sight, out of mind, but let them keep, you know, the broken Power Ranger they found on the playground or the birthday party favor or whatever it is that they find special to them in that space. And then when it's full, it's full. They can choose to purge how they want to. And then it kind of takes the pressure off of me to be like, what are we going to do with all of this? These weird little trinkets that are so meaningful to them. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Sarah maybe mentioned like 
one of her kids wanting to keep rocks. And that's like such a thing in my house, rocks. I just don't understand. They're all over my counter and in bathrooms and stuff like that. And I'm like, I really need this drawer. So I too love that tip. Um, one of the ones that they talked about is, and I mean, they really reinforced it on the episode, but I'm just, I'm truly doubling down on it in case it didn't resonate with the listener, but truly do not involve your children in the purging process until they are older. And honestly, like, amen. I, amen. I, I needed to hear this because I knew like logically it wasn't going well whenever I tried to involve someone. But again, I think they mentioned like, you know, the um, parenting specialists recommend in order to teach your kids empathy and stuff like that. And it just, it doesn't, end well. And it made me think of this story that happened a few months ago. Um, We had this stool in our kitchen and it was this big bulky stool that just took up so much space. And I'm not saying it was never used, but it just was not used enough to justify me constantly having to move it around to get to this drawer to do whatever. Like I was like, the stool's causing more grief than it is help. Well, my daughter was truly, I, I hinted at getting rid of it one day. And I think there was a full meltdown just at suggesting the idea of getting rid of it. So I let it stay in the house for a few more months. And then I decided I'm listing this on the buy nothing group. And I'm just, she just can't know that it's going away. So I listed it on Buy Nothing, another mom in the community wanted it. And I messaged her and I said, hey, like, I need you to pick this up Monday through Friday (laughs) between 8 and 11 a.m. And if you can't swing that, I will deliver it to your house (laughs) because my child cannot be around when this stool leaves our home. Like, and again, we had, she, the mom came at like 10 a.m. on a Monday and it was no big deal. And my daughter has not mentioned it at all. The actual physical parting with things is so much harder than, for them than like the thing actually being gone. And Absolutely. I just need them to mature before we get there. So I'm just reinforcing you know, stick, stick with it. And maybe hopefully they'll come around and have some empathy. That resonates with me so much because we're still holding on to our Valentine's box. And I've tried like (laughs) a couple of times, Harper has been in the room to say like, it's time, you know, we've hit the next holiday, but she's just so attached to it. And I do think it's one of those things that like, if I go up there while she's at school, she's never going to notice that her Valentine's box is missing. But the actual like, seeing it in the trash can is going to break her heart. It's really, really hard for them. Yes, yes. So we'll we'll take the wisdom of Sarah and Megan and just continue on with discarding without the children involved. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. 
Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Um, so this episode was really guided by a listener named Kate, who had sent in a question and I actually would be so thrilled. Kate, if you're listening to this or you get to hear that this episode is rerun, um, please let Sarah and Megan know, because I think that would be so cool. Um, but her question was really divided into three areas. So it was about like the intake of toys and gifts and things that come into your home for your kids tips for purging, getting things out when they need to go, and then sort of the management of all this stuff when it's just in your house. And so we kind of thought we would take that same framework, you and I, Jennifer, and just kind of add a few ideas that we had um, kind of under each of those categories. And I'm going to jumpstart you because I had a very specific question for you with regard to having twins. Um, because this is something I have struggled with. My kids are a little over two years apart. And I find myself feeling inclined to just buy two of the same thing to sort of like limit the meltdowns or like less of me having to manage the sharing of the one item between them. So I was very curious how you manage that as a mom of twins with kids the same age. Like, do you buy double of things? Do you have certain things that you're willing to buy double of and not elsewhere. So please enlighten me on how to manage this. Yeah, it is tough. You know, sharing is hard and sometimes it is easier to have two of some things. And so what we've decided for our family, big outdoor stuff, like a scooter, a bike, rollerblades, stuff like that. Everyone gets their own. And in fact, we actually, as we've grown up, like we have extra scooters because we have friends over all the time or cousins and stuff yeah, like that. And smart. so we've kept a few things like that. So like everyone has something to ride when we go play in the cul-de-sac or whatever. Yeah. But then, 
you know, on specific toys, we really try to avoid having to, you know, of course, if it's a gift or whatever, we're just grateful for that. But I think by focusing and being a little bit strategic about doing kind of toy categories, um, and then if people do ask, hey, we need a gift idea, that sort of thing, say, hey, we've got magnetiles, we've got this great wooden train set, we've got Legos, that sort of thing. And then adding to the collection, but kind of keeping our toys in these categories that allow for some open-ended play has really limited and then just helped with storage because you can group all of the like things together and then you're just kind of adding to the collection of whatever it is. Um, also kind of unique to twins, I will say uh, one thing that was a little bit different maybe than what some parents have experienced. My two really struggled with like bedtime and nap time in their rooms. They loved having mm-hmm. sharing a room. They climbed out of their cribs really early. We actually did not have a single toy in their room until they split rooms at like three, three and a half. They could crawl out of their cribs so young and were just going everywhere. And it it was a party if there was toys in there. And so basically their bedroom was their bed and a dresser, which was very securely strapped to the wall. And that was it. And just because they were ornery and could you know, get into lots of trouble with the right. two of them when they're supposed to be napping. So exactly. I think that all seems so helpful. And I like the idea of open-ended toys that are collections and then giving people, then you're not like gifting, here's a magnetile set for you. And here's a magnetile set for you. Cause obviously that's not like the most logical, but um, I think that's good advice. So thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So one of the things that I have done, and this is something I learned more after my second child came along, I did not have the wherewithal to think about this when I had my first kid, but after my second came along, I started thinking about like trying, like you said, to be more strategic about what comes in the Mm -hmm. house. So I like having this idea of like, okay, I need to make this decision. Does it fall within my framework or within my value system or whatever? And one thing I really started with my second and have kind of added to my first kid is allowing toys or things that come in, whether I've bought them, whether someone has asked if they can give them something that do, these two are kind of similar, but kind of fall under the same category. So I want the toy to foster some semblance of independence for my kid. So if it's a thing or a toy that helps them get around the house easier, whether it's a stool, of course, I just told you the story about a stool that I got rid of, but let's just say a stool in the bathroom or um, a toy that they can do on their own or gets them outside, something like that. Um, fosters independence or two, this is kind of a strategy that I've used as they've gotten older. I like giving them toys that are either at their age level or below. And I know that kind of sounds like I'm not wanting to like push my children or like encourage them to try hard things. But for me, if I am looking around at my house and it is full of things that my kids like to play with and can play with on their own, then I don't feel as grumpy about the toy taking up space in my house. Does that make sense? Like this is a whole mindset thing for me. 
So to give you an example, we have two big whiteboards literally in my living room. They're like on an easel. They are a complete eyesore in every sense of the word. Mm -hmm. But both of my children are able to go over to the whiteboard and truly entertain themselves for tens of minutes, which we know is like a lot of time. I mean, you can get 10, 20 or 30 minutes of like their independent place. So then I kind of look at those whiteboards and I'm like, you know, they provide a lot of independence and the kids can do it without my help. And so like, then I can justify this stuff or junk in my living room because the kids like it and they do well with it. So I don't know if that totally makes sense or not, but that's kind of the framework I work under when I'm thinking about what comes in the house. And if it's not falling under that, then I ditch it out of the house. Jamie, that so resonates with me because we got some cute little Lego sets, but truly by the age guidelines, we weren't quite there yet. And so we helped them put that together. And like, that was a fun thing. And I know some people, you know, you build a little Lego creation, you look at it and like, that's how they get their enjoyment from it. But Heath and Harper wanted to play with it, but they weren't gentle enough to play with it without like the headlight breaking off of the tractor or something (laughs) like that. And so then it became, you know, a part-time job for me to figure out how to put it back together again and do all of that. So I really like the idea of keeping toys that are at age level or below. Um, Another area, speaking of intake just with twins and I'm sure with just kids in general, because we're switching wardrobes out um, and clothes can be really overwhelming. One thing that we, or I figured out with the twins is that a capsule wardrobe really worked well for us. Um, Occasionally, you know, we got hand-me-downs and of course we're always so grateful for anyone who wanted to pass anything along. But I just found that if you got this like big bag or big tub or something like that, you know, you need to sort through it. You need to make sure, okay, is it the season we're in? Is it the size we're in? And then organize it in that way. And then sometimes, you know, you might find this cute little sweater or purple leggings or whatever it was, but you don't have a shirt to go with that. And so then you're like trying to find that. And pre-pandemic shopping for the kids clothes when they were in that phase where they're just growing so fast, you know, one hits a growth spurt different, um, keeping track of like, okay, who's in what size shoes versus shirts. And then like Jack stuff runs smaller than the stuff at gap. I found that so overwhelming. And maybe that was like just me as a mom, but basically what I did, um, was I said, okay, I took inventory of everything we had. And then I picked a few colors And said, okay, you're going to wear a lot of gray, you're going to wear a lot of navy, and you're going to wear red because you can wear red at Christmas, but that also works for Valentine's. And back to kind of like we were talking about the strategic stuff. So Mm -hmm. then I just bought enough clothes to basically get us through a week and maybe a little extra and knew, okay, I'm going to do laundry, but I'm going to buy these things. Everything kind of goes together and really limit it. It's less to take care of. It's less to store and put it away. And that was so helpful to me. So I definitely lean towards like a minimalist mentality. And I so I've not done this capsule wardrobe thing, even though I've heard about it over and over, but you're inspiring me now because 
thinking about the idea of a week or a little bit more gives like the perfect structure around how much do I actually need. Um, I do know people have different opinions about how often they do laundry and stuff like that. But I do also think the fewer clothes that you have, you're doing less laundry. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, (laughs) and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini system. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, let's jump into some purging tips. I've got a couple. I think you've got one. Um, I don't know if this is going to be applicable across the board to every mom in every stage, because I think this might fall more for the mom who is probably done creating and growing her family. Um, Because if you think you're going to have more kids, you're probably holding on to a lot of clothes. So, but if you are done growing your family and you have an idea of like who your youngest is, I really, really like to purge clothes at the end of the season, which I don't know if a lot of people are doing this because I think a lot of people will take all of the winter clothes from their two-year-old and put them in a box, and then they pull them out the following winter and try to decide what fits. And I think when you have younger kids, you have a very, very clear idea of what is going to fit next year and what's not. When they hit that kind of age four, five, six, it's a little bit tougher to tell. But if you have that 18-month-old two and a half year old, three and a half year old, if that shirt is tight in March, I promise you it will not fit in November when they're ready to have like a long sleeve shirt back on again. And so I like to purge clothes at the end of the season. And then when I'm pulling out the new, the following season for my younger ones, pretty much for the most part, they all fit with a few exceptions. Um, And then I'm just adding what I need to it. And I'm not having to do that work then because then I'm in the fun, let's shop for the new season of clothes. And I'm not having to go through big piles and piles of clothes that fit or don't fit. Um, So that's a tip I would use, especially if you know your family is 
you know, kind of round it out. Yeah, I love that. So one thing I did with a purging was I would wait, like, have a week, let the laundry kind of pile up and then see Mm. what's in the drawers. Because obviously we've already worn it. It fits. What's in the drawers is what we're not wearing. And then, but I love the idea too. You you were kind of talking about Jamie, just like when you're getting that box back out looking, okay, does this fit in the capsule? This worked for this other kid, but does it work for the child now? You know, as if you're looking, you know, with multiple kiddos. But where I really struggle um, on the purging front is with art supplies. I just feel like we are overrun with colored pencils and markers and, you know, and, and the art coming in. I just feel like it's coming from all directions. And maybe that's just because we started school this year, but... I, I want to foster that creativity and, you know, like we talked about earlier, the fostering the independence. And so previously with the twins, basically all art supplies were under lock and key because they could not be trusted. But now Brilliant. we're in this new phase and I want them to be able to go get their stuff out and put it back up. But like, what do you do when you have an art session that results in 10 beautiful watercolor paintings? Yes. Okay. So this is something I'm learning as I go because I've almost really only just entered this. I mean, my five-year-old, my five-year-old doesn't lean toward art, but he's taking to it a little bit more. Um, And three-year-old is really into it. She's, she's really excellent at painting one strip on a piece of paper and then thinking that that's the end of her collection and it's just spectacular. So I'm a huge fan. And I don't know if you do this, uh, pencil boxes. Yes, we Um, have that. Okay. And they all just stack together. There's no organization to them. Okay. So there are crayons and pencils and um, paintbrushes all kind of scattered throughout. Stamps, um, strips of uh, watercolor paint. It is not pretty when you open it up, but it is fairly organized from like the mom's looking at it perspective. Cause it's like somewhat clean. Um, and the kids can, for the most part, almost just grab a pencil box and they can find something that they need in there. Whatever is available there, they'll open up multiple pencil boxes. If things are broken, I'm very quick to toss them. Um, if I'm sitting there watching them and something's broken, I don't try to use things until their very last day. Cause the kids just aren't working through them. Um, if of course, marker caps are left off of markers, I'll toss them too. But then we're just kind of constantly in this discussion about like keeping, putting things back in their pencil box. I don't care what pencil box it goes in. They need to go back in the pencil box and it needs to go back on the shelf. Um, Regarding the watercolor multiple pieces of art situation, and we can link this in the show notes because I had trouble finding something that worked for this. I found these little clips that have quite a strong grip on the clip, but they also have a really strong magnetic pull. This was incredibly difficult for me to find. I would try to find clips and you know, the, the little piece would be sliding down the fridge because yes. it's, holding, it's holding like 12, <laughs> like you said, 12 pieces. A week's worth of art projects. Yeah. And um, these are like super sturdy and super solid. And basically 
we do more than one piece of art on the fridge. Um, this is something that I've just had to accept, but they put multiple pieces of art like stacked on each other and they each have like a couple clips that they can add their art to the fridge. And for the most part, I stay out of this. Like I, like you said, have to be able to get into the fridge and get out and they have to get into the fridge and get out too. So they know if it's like kind of getting in the way. Um, and then I don't know. Maybe once a week when it's looking a little hairy up there, I go in and I pull down the back five that we haven't looked at. And then they just kind of constantly have a running spot to put their stuff. And no one has had a meltdown over a piece of art so far that was stacked behind other pieces of art. So I don't know if this would work for your kids because I know they're older and probably have a sharper memory than mine, but that's how I'm managing it now. I love that, Jamie. Um, But let me ask you this. Have you ever been busted and like your kids open up the trash can and find their their beautiful masterpiece in the trash can? And I'm like, oh, how did that get there? How did that get in there? And all I have done is pulled it out and said, wow, I am so sorry. I can't believe that wound up in there. And I put it right back on the fridge. That is like, has been my solution. It's only happened to me a couple times. Um, And then they were fine and they moved on. So I got busted yesterday. So yeah, (laughs) I guess I'll have to be a little more careful where I'm putting those. Oh my gosh. The other thing that has been kind of a light bulb going off for me is recognizing that as a mom, there's two types of cleaning. There is the organizing, the decluttering, the, um, you know, planning what needs to come into the house, what's leaving the house, that sort of thing. And then there's the actual cleaning, the dusting, the vacuuming, the cleaning of the bathrooms. And so separating those into two different tasks has been a game changer for our family. We actually, a couple years ago, um, hired a housekeeper. And I totally understand that that's not always in everyone's budget or um, you know, maybe the season of life, that's not an opportunity for you. But it just has been huge for us because um, she comes every other week. Before mm-hmm. she comes, I kind of sweep the entire house. I go through the kids' bedrooms, the hot spots in the kitchen, all that sort of things, declutter, throw things away, and get things ready. Surface is clear for her to clean, but then she's doing the actual cleaning. And I'm sure you can relate, Jamie, just as a stay at home mom, it is so hard to clean while yeah. your kids are running around or even just declutter and get those surfaces clear so you can clean. And so I don't know, just wherever people are on the spectrum of like fully stay at home mom to fully work outside the home mom, I think if this is something your family could do, maybe even once a month or as a special occasion or trading with a friend or something like that, it's been a huge game changer for us. Yeah, I um, I really appreciate the separation that you made between cleaning and decluttering because I, I I truly or not decluttering um tidying tidying oh we're going to talk about Marie and her tidying in just a moment however tidying I feel like I'm in a constant state yes. of tidying 
it, it's just truly never ending. And so then to add the cleaning on top of that, it, it really can be overwhelming. And um, we too have a housekeeper. And um, I was able to find someone who um, comes in and does our floors and bathrooms only. Um, so she, just like you, comes every other week and basically helps get all the dog hair off of the floors and helps me get the toilets clean and the showers clean. And that is an enormous weight off of my back. And I think about how every other week I get to tidy up the house for her to come. I say get to because it really is a such a positive thing in my life that I get to tidy the house and then the floors get clean and the toilets get clean and it is life-changing and keeping my mental sanity. And if she weren't there, I probably wouldn't be doing as intense of tidying that frequently. It would just be the daily tidying that I would do. Um, And so I just really appreciate it. And I think there there are different ways you can go about this. Like you talked about with swapping with a friend or um, having someone come in less frequently or only doing certain parts of your house, just bathrooms, if that's like an overwhelming thing for you, just your kitchen, if that's an overwhelming Mm -hmm. thing for you. I think those types of services are out there. So I think what you and I are trying to say is no guilt, mama, no guilt. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge thing just like clearing the visual clutter, tidying, like you said, and just, I don't know, it's been huge for my mental health and just, I feel more patient as a mom. I feel like I can be a better mom and be more present with my kids when I'm able to take this one thing off my plate. And maybe for other moms, that's meal prep or laundry or something like that. But just taking one thing off your plate could be. Yeah huge. So Marie Kondo. Oh, Marie Kondo. We would be so remiss if we did not talk about Marie. She was so popular in the original episode. And then you told me, or you sent me an article that I didn't even know about. She hasn't been someone I've tracked closely over the years, um, but she has kids and she's maybe changed some of her philosophies. So tell me about that. What do you know about her having children? Okay. So Marie Kondo, I liked her when the book came out. I think she had like a Netflix special or something like that. Beautifully folded thing. She had like, you know, incredible ways. Everything was beautifully organized. Um, But now that she's had kids, she has said, and I quote, she has kind of given up. Um, She's had (laughs) three kids. And I'm like, haven't we all, Marie? We have all just (laughs) kind of given up. But no, and really she said that in a lot of ways, she has had to prioritize her family and spending time with them over the aesthetics of having everything look perfectly tidy. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I do think there is still some wisdom in some of her philosophies. Just, um, I think in the book, she talked a lot about start by discarding things first. I mean, ultimately, you can't have a a tidy home if you just absolutely have too much stuff. And so limiting that amount of stuff in your home makes it easier to maintain your system, whatever that looks like. And, um, you know, she also talks about, I think her book was like the magic art of tidying up. And that Mm kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the housekeeper, that 
it is this, you know, the clouds part when your house is clean, even if it's only for that five minutes. And it's a mental health thing. I feel like it just really helps, you know, your mood and stress level, at least for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I really appreciate that Marie came out like came out publicly. I know that sounds dramatic, but she was a worldwide phenom with these really strong philosophical ideas about tidying. And she came out and she's like, Hey, I'm a mom now. I mean, that's a truly like humbling experience. And the fact that she was able to just say it and be like, it's different now. And here's what I do differently because of these three variables that have totally changed my life. And I just kudos to her because I think it could be easy to try and, you know, stick to your ways and think that your kids are, you know, just excellent at tidying. And, you know, she's just saying, Hey, this is life. So I just appreciate that. Well, Jennifer, this has been fun. Thank you so much to everyone who has stuck around with us and listened to this. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, we have some fellow contributors who are also sharing their thoughts on other Mom Hour reruns this whole month. Um, You can find all of those episodes right in your podcast apps. And then Megan and Sarah will be back with all new episodes in August. Um, But in the meantime, and I highly recommend this, go back and listen to some oldies but goodies because it totally uh, got me moving this, this week. So, Jennifer? I will talk with you soon. Yes, I'm going to go grab that trash bag, do a little decluttering, get that Valentine's box before the kids get home from school. So it was great to talk to you, Jamie. You do it. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone. And a big thanks to the moms on our team who stepped up to the mic today. If you'd like to learn more about our contributor team, visit themomhour.com slash contributors and check this episode's show description for links to follow today's co-hosts over on their socials. And Sarah, you and I will be back with brand new episodes of The Mom Hour starting Tuesday, August 1st. We'll talk to everybody then. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know, I am fan number one of the teas made. It's got such a cozy vibe and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines and home and family life. Just look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. Hi, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening and leave the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom, and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.